this is episode 5 of Cognitive Gamer. I'm your host, Steve Blessing. In this episode, we discuss what many people think about when they consider psychology and game playing, the process of decision making. Indeed, we will come back to this topic in many future podcasts, looking at various facets as we go along. At the heart of any game is making decisions. If the player is not making decisions, then they are just being an observer, which isn't very much fun. Even the simplest of games have at least one decision. Do I bet on red or black? Will my next roll be lower or higher? More complicated games have lots of decisions to be made on each turn. How we make these decisions are influenced by our psychology. Today, we will talk about one small aspect of this larger conversation, satisficing. First off, let me assure you that satisficing really is a word, at least in cognitive psychology circles. And, as you will see, it's a really good one to describe what is going on when we make most decisions. You can hear and see it's a combination of both satisfaction and sufficing. And really, that's what the term means. When we make a decision, we typically either can't know the optimal choice or don't have the time or resources to find it. So instead of optimizing, we satisfy. Or in other words, find a solution that satisfies our minimum set of requirements. When I explain this in class, I don't use a game example, but one from real life. Imagine going to buy a car, a used one that can get you to work and back. You have a list of things the car must have, like maybe a backup camera and a nice radio. Perhaps you also have some things that would be nice to have, like for it to be red in color and to have less than 40,000 miles. Those are all your constraints. You are also constrained by time and money, of course, and you can also consider cognitive constraints like memory and attention. These all come into play when you go to find your car. Conceptually, the best car for you exists someplace out there. But are you going to find the best car? Probably not. You'll find a car that's good enough one that meets your minimal constraints, and hopefully one that meets many of those nice-to-have constraints. At a certain point in your car shopping, you will hopefully have found a number of cars that would be okay, and perhaps a couple that are really good choices that you will ultimately decide between. None are perfect, but you will pick the one that rises above the rest. In other words, you will satisfy. You probably satisfy for many of the decisions you make. You don't have unlimited time and unlimited budget, so those are often constraints. More importantly for us are those cognitive constraints. As we touched on in episode 3, we don't have unlimited attention. We don't have unlimited memory capacity either. We can only attend so many things at once, and we can only remember so many items. These all conspire to where it's difficult, if not impossible, to make the optimal decision for any given situation. And many decisions that you make while playing games are ones in which you satisfy. You don't have all the information you need, and even if you did, you can't keep track of all of it or remember it perfectly. So, you make the best decision you can, given the cognitive and other constraints placed on you as you play the game. Should I move my knight or pawn? Should my dwarven fighter drink the potion or go storming into battle? Where should my mech go on the board? Where should I place this new tile? Chess, role-playing games, scythe, king dominoes, any game really... Almost all of your decisions are ones that involve satisficing. The same is true in video games. As you figure out where to go next on the map or how best to defeat your opponent, we are always satisficing. This seems like common sense. Humans usually don't make the optimal decision, but rather one that is just good enough at the time you make the decision. Many of us have been the person in the car buying scenario. 
If not car buying, then maybe apartment renting or how to structure an English essay or whatever. If we spend more time on any of those decisions, maybe we could have come up with something better, but we make the decision that satisfies the most constraints that we are aware of at the time we make the decision. This probably sounds like so much common sense that you may be surprised to hear that this wasn't the prevailing view in economics back in the early 1900s. Back then, the assumption was that, in making economic decisions at least, people always made the most rational decision. It wasn't until Herbert Simon wrote Administrative Behavior in 1947 that economists began to think differently, that we shouldn't assume that humans always make the most rational decision. Indeed, that, that work led Simon to winning the Nobel Prize in economics in 1978. This theory that started in economics strongly influenced Simon's thinking within the field of psychology. We have to satisfy us in our decision-making, according to Simon, because we operate not under full rationality, but rather bounded rationality. That is, there are bounds, or constraints, placed on our ability to make decisions, just like we discussed above. What are some of these cognitive bounds placed on our ability to make the rational decision? We've touched on some already in this podcast and in earlier ones, like memory and attention. I would like to touch on another one in this podcast. The context that a problem is placed in affects our ability to make decisions and solve problems. That is, the same problem wrapped in a different content affects our ability to make choices about that problem. A simple re-theming of the content doesn't change the fundamentals of the game, but can maybe affect how we play it. Obviously, if you don't like the theme, maybe you're just not into zombie games, you may not get into it as much. But I'm talking about something more fundamental and important than that. Let me give you a classic example. Peter Rayson, an English cognitive psychologist, developed what is now known as the Rayson card task. In the task, participants are told that they are going to be shown four cards. Each card